0: Spark is an idea accelerator, connecting the studio to the classroom by and for artists who educate. Brought to you by The Frist. Thank you all for being here this evening. Uh, for, I, I know most of you, but if we're just meeting this evening, my name is Sean Giles. I'm the Assistant Director for Community Engagement here at the Frist Center. And uh, we're thrilled to bring you Spark for, for this month. Um, And uh, as as usual, we have a a wonderful guest, um, Lindsey Bailey, who's going to um, share her practice, what she does through art and education. So thank you all, and I will hand it over to you. So that's Susie. She just came in, and she lives in Kentucky, and I went to grad school with her. And I haven't seen her since then. So that's kind of amazing. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so my name is Lindsey Bailey. I teach, actually, in Thomasville, Georgia. And I drove in today for this. Um, My parents live in Nashville. I lived in Nashville for about eight years. I had a studio at The Fugitive when it first started millions of years ago and um, at the Madison Art Gallery millions of years ago. So I have connections that run really deep with Nashville and I've always called it my second home. I was born in Austin, Texas and raised in Dallas. So um, I thought we would start with this quote. If I can wish for anything for my art, that is what I want, to live in some child forever. And if I can demand anything of other artists, it is that they attempt as much." This is by Dorothy Allison. So my, so I was thinking about doing this talk and I was trying to figure out the best way to approach my work and my teaching, Um, my artwork and my teaching. I don't really separate the two. And so because of that, I decided to present a paper that I wrote in January um, for my blog. And it kind of encompasses how I look at art, how I feel about art making, and who sort of influenced me along the way. Um, And hopefully that makes sense. If I forget to move the slide, just yell at me. Recently, I saw two sculptures by Natalie Meebach at the Frist Center for the Visual Arts in Nashville, Tennessee. They were amusement park scenes made from an assortment of mixed media and found objects rope, dowel rods, paper, bamboo, beads, sequins, tiny woven structures, tape, etc. One of the sculptures said Wonder Wheel on the side of what looked to be a Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel had little woven paper baskets going around the inner part of the wheel in green flags and white and black circles, decorating the outer part of the wheel. Underneath the wheel was a bit more complicated. There were more woven paper baskets, but in the shape of tiny boats, and they didn't seem to be going in one particular direction. Different styles of nautical flags were sticking out from all angles of the base of this sculpture, which appeared to be a deconstructed basket. Around the edges of the basket weave were tiny, red and white, life frames and beads in various shades of blue. Below the basket weave was what appeared to be a raft made out of bamboo floating on an ocean of blue rope. The second sculpture was a larger version of the first sculpture, but with what appeared to be a water park going through the ferris wheel shape, and tiny boat structures racing down the waterways made of blue rope. The base was made of dowel rods built into a structure that looked like tiny scaffolding. The rope ocean was sitting atop the scaffolding and draping over the sides. The viewer could make out a sign saying Wonder Wheel that was written around the circular part of the Ferris wheel. (coughs) Letters spelling out Jane's Tides in red next to a yellow arrow was on the side of the sculpture at the upper part of the scaffolding. There were dowels and colorful beads, paper baskets with umbrella tops, and blue life rings jutting out from all sides of the scaffolding. These two sculptures contain everything that I personally love to see in artwork. Craft, interesting materials, imagination, discovery, color, celebration, question, and fear. My interpretation of these two sculptures deals with the complexity between two very real feelings, excitement and terror. I see these sculptures and instantly I am taken back to a nightmare I had when I was 10 or 11. in particular basket weaving, as it provides me with a simple yet highly effective grid through which to interpret data in three-dimensional space. By staying true to these numbers, these woven pieces tread an uneasy divide between functioning both as sculptures in space, as well as instruments that can be used in the actual environments from which the data originates. My first memory of being involved with art or art making or art having anything to do with my life was when I was in first grade. I attended Geece Elementary on the south side of Tulsa, Oklahoma. My mother received word from my teacher that I was very good with shapes. I could mold different sized spheres or cubes in Play-Doh and place them in ascending and descending order based on their size. During this same year, I was photographed for the newspaper with a collage I made out of various colors of construction paper. I have no memory of making this collage, but there is photographic evidence that it happened. I do not remember making the spheres or cubes either, but I do remember my mother saying that she was very proud of me for completing these tasks. My mother was a teacher for most of her adult life, so I have no doubt that she influenced my learning capabilities at a very young age. The following year, we moved to Dallas, Texas, where I eventually finished my primary and secondary education. I was not enrolled in any visual art classes again until the 10th grade. During primary and most of secondary school, I spent hours writing and performing plays to vinyl records from my parents' collection. Every time I think about this time in my life, I am very surprised that my parents did not enroll me in theater. They did, however, enroll me in dance. I was in three to four dance classes a week from the time I was three until I was 25. Additionally, I played piano for eight years and violin for six, but theater was never a consideration. When I was 13, I remember walking into the kitchen where my mother was reading the newspaper. She looked up the paper and said to me, Andy Warhol died." She said this to me in the same manner that you might say it's raining outside, just sort of matter of factly. At the time, I had a vague notion of who Andy Warhol was, but I remember her clarifying her statement later on by saying he was a famous artist. I was intrigued by this statement, but it was not until my early undergraduate days some 10 years later that I would become incredibly obsessed with Andy Warhol and all of his factory darlings. Throughout my teenage years, I drew architectural plans. I did this for fun. The way some other kids go to the mall or read books or went to movies, I sat around all day long drawing designs of buildings and houses. Most of the time, these designs would be imaginative and made up, and more often than not, they would be houses or buildings shaped into the name of a friend, and an idol, or a crush. Space and designing spaces has remained very important to me. Pardon me for a moment. Um, This is a teacher of mine from the University of Texas and one of her pieces. This is a piece called Funhouse that I did under that professor that I showed before. (coughs) It was not until I went back to school to finish my undergraduate degree in 2007 that I realized the true potential of art. Under the guidance of my ceramics professor, Margaret Nehan, art became a language to me, a tool for change, a profound statement. It was suddenly political and provoked questions and emotions. It was almost as if something else began driving me to make things, something out of my body, but of my body. And it was at this fruitful and prolific time that I found myself at the opening of Trent Doyle Hancock's collaborative ballet, Cult of Color, Call to Color. Mr. Hancock collaborated with Austin Ballet's chief choreographer and musician to create a wonderful production themed in Life and Death, the struggle between good and evil, love, authority, spirituality, and moral relativism. It was a spectacle of amazement that I have not stopped thinking about since. This concept of collaboration opened up a whole new world to me. What theater had been doing forever was suddenly available to me. It always had been, I just never realized. I could call the shots on what I wanted to make, whether I was skilled in that area or not. I just had to have two things, an idea and follow through. Suddenly, a weight had been lifted. Collaboration was a tool to make ideas bigger and louder and I could engage people in my love for working with others. I immediately tested this theory by producing a short performance piece in a racquetball court where dancers in cake costumes that I hand sewed performed to a maniacal lap track. Success, my relationship with art had changed forever. Everything came full circle two years ago in Qatar when I saw Trenton Doyle Hancock speak at Virginia Commonwealth University's Doha location. I was honored to be able to thank him in person for what I felt was a life-changing event. This is the piece I did in the racquetball court. (coughs) Um, This furry picture is me at the University of Texas with some paintings. (coughs) My undergraduate coursework is also where image making and documentation came into my life. Before any other medium, I found and fell in love with photography. I started my obsession in the mid-90s capturing images with a film camera, a Canon AE-1. I developed all my own films, spending hours in darkness. I liked that you could see the grain that built up each image, and I loved the smell of developer and that time seemed to stand still while I was in the lab. I spent hours taking pictures of everything, manually changing F-stops and shutter speeds to suit my needs. I changed light, color, sharpness, contrast contrast, it was a fabulous exercise in learning to see and understanding the world around me. I could hide behind my camera and record everything. These are some pictures that I've taken um, during my time living overseas and traveling last year. So fast forward to now and I have my iPhone 7 Plus on the ready at every possible second. Digital participation all the time. My phone camera is easy to access, always has film, and can take 30 or more pictures in half a second. It's not film, and it's not as clear as a DSLR, but it does all the things I need it to do. My phone was my documentation tool for the cultural research I did while I was living and teaching art for four years overseas. Everything I went, I went everywhere I went, the images became a source of visual storytelling to help me remember where I traveled, what I did, who I met, and helped, really relay information to my family and friends in the United States. If I'm not taking pictures, I feel like I'm losing memories, which makes my stomach and heart very heavy. I am constantly worried that I will forget an experience. This is a piece I did in Beijing um, with about 500 participants. It was a freeform weaving piece. Um, and this is my MFA thesis. My piece was relatively dark so that the videos and um, images could be spotlit. but, um, so it was really hard to photograph, but this is one of the photographs that was in that. You can see it's in a tent that I built. When I make installations or performance pieces, when I'm teaching or working with community, I am always chronicling everything from start to finish. Image making is my passion. It is the proof I can point to so that I can say I was there, that really happened, this is what I made. My camera is an extension of my relationship with the world and a recor- recording device for document experiences I hope to leave behind. These are some other photographs that were featured in that show, and some images from teaching. This is my fourth grade class that I teach currently, that's one of my kindergartners. This is when I was teaching a workshop in Nashville in 2012. This is one of my fifth graders' watercolors. I just loved it, so I had to put it in there. Um, These are some community shots of me working in Singapore and Baltimore and Tallahassee. This was for a lantern parade that I organized, um, this was for a mural painting project that I did, this was another freeform weaving workshop, and this was an improv costuming workshop, and that's it, that's my cat. I got him in guitar, so I flew him over, and so he's part of it. I hope that made sense, does anybody have any questions?